0: President Biden fell yesterday. Not just a little stumble, not just a little tumble, a full-on fall during the Air Force Academy graduation. <laughs> all right, Biden shake hands with the graduates, but he goes down, like, all the way down. Not Chevy Chase doing Jerry Ford on SNL, all the way down it has to be helped up by three, three men. He points back at something on the floor, which is kind of funny. He he, he turns back, he says like, oh, was that, it was that Pebbles fault, you know? Uh, But it's, it's ultimately not funny. It's sad. And it's not even news. That's why I had to play it. It's not really making news, but it was a bad fall and it's not news. And that's really weird. It's not news because we've come to expect it. We've come to expect it and we've come to accept it. The president is mentally and physically falling apart. The president refuses to campaign for re-election. He didn't even campaign last time for his first term, for his administration. We've reached a new stage of national scandal. It is not just that we don't have a functional president, that our political system is not run the way it's supposed to be run. And it's not even just that our rulers have ceased to pretend that the government is run the way it's supposed to be run. The most scandalous part of all is that we all know it. We joke about it openly on the left and on the right, and nobody seems to care. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. In just a moment, forget about politics Forget about this crazy event that involved the Daily Wire on Twitter last night. We have a follow-up to that Toronto Blue Jays player who totally turned his back on his beliefs and apologized for criticizing Pride Month. That guy got a very nasty reaction from the crowd. We'll get to that in, in one moment. First, though, the president can't function, he can't speak, he doesn't know which end is up, he can't walk, and he's not campaigning. Peter Ducey, one of the few conservatives in the White House press pool, asked the president's press secretary about this. Is this guy at any point in the campaign going to actually hit the campaign trail? It's been more than a month since the re-election announcement. Is President Biden gonna hold a campaign event ever? So I will say this to you, Peter, as you know, uh, we follow the rule of law here we believe in following the rule of law as it relates Hold on. as I'm it relates
1: to in on the I, election, I'm about, just
0: his schedule I'm, you'll have to schedule I'm, around
1: I'm, rallies i'm i'm about to answer your question here uh as it relates to anything that uh, uh that is connected to the campaign any rallies any events uh
0: any any endorsement anything that is connected to the 2024 re-election that is not going to certainly come from here that is going to come from his campaign or the dnc and See? or the dnc so what Corinne Jean-Pierre is using to evade this question is the Hatch Act, is the idea that government workers are not allowed to engage in explicitly campaign-related political activity. So when Peter Doocy says, hey, is he gonna hit the campaign trail? She says, well, I'm not allowed to talk about the campaign. But that's obviously not true, because the, the White House, while it, it can't maybe talk about the inner workings of any presidential campaign, can at least talk about whether or not the guy's gonna do it. The The White House press secretary can at least talk about the president's schedule. Is he thinking about making a stop over in Iowa? Is he thinking about maybe traveling to New Hampshire? Oh No, Peter, I'm not gonna answer that. Because the answer is no. The president right now has no intention of seriously campaigning. And why would he? He doesn't need to campaign. If he didn't need to campaign last time, he doesn't need to campaign this time. If last time Joe Biden could hide out in his basement and occasionally hold an event or two with 18 people and do the rest of the campaign virtually, then certainly he can do that for re-election when his only challenges are Marianne Williamson, the new agey lady, the the hippie, dippy, dark, psychic forces lady. That she's not going to pose a real challenge. And Bobby Kennedy Jr., who is a Kennedy, so you'd think that he could pose something of a challenge. He's a committed liberal in the nineteen sixties fashion, but the Democrats and the Progressives have moved on from that 1960s-style liberalism, so he's not gonna really pose a serious challenge to Joe Biden. So why not? Well, you might say, well, he needs to start campaigning now to build the narrative for the general election, whether it's Trump, whether it's DeSantis, whether it's Chris Christie, who we all know is gonna be the nominee because the chrysassance, the croissance is upon us. But regardless of who that is, shouldn't Joe Biden start his campaign now? No. Why would he? What's the campaign? The campaign is we're going to maintain the power structure exactly as it is without accountability, and you can deal with it. The campaign in 2024 is going to be we're going to harvest ballots. We're going to get our machine going. We're going to have widespread mail-in ballots, and we're going to hope that we can squeak by. That's that. Even though Joe Biden has historic levels of unpopularity, even though the country's falling apart on on every single front, he doesn't need to campaign, which is not just a knock on Joe Biden. The fact that Biden's falling down all the time and can't speak is not just a knock on Joe Biden. It, It just, it describes an aspect of the political system that is especially corrupt and especially decayed. Not only is Is the government working in a way that's not in accordance with Schoolhouse Rock, a bill up on Capitol Hill, the U.S. Constitution, all the rest of it? And not only is the government not pretending otherwise anymore, not only is the government transparent about that, but we all know it and we are not scandalized by it anymore. That's the biggest scandal of all. That's, That's how you know how far gone we are. And we need to talk about it. When you want to talk to your friends, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. A company that I am very proud to stand behind and a company that is proud to stand behind us over here and our country is Pure Talk. Veteran owned with a 100% American workforce, Pure Talk shares our beliefs, our vision for the country. That is why Pure Talk is the official cell phone wireless provider for the Daily Wire. That's not the only reason. Pure Talk also happens to be the most dependable 5G network in the United States. You're gonna hear that now what you're, you're going to hear, it's one of the. It's not. It's the best. This is a top tier provider at a fraction of the cost of those other woke companies, ATT, Verizon, T-Mobile. Companies that don't care about you or your values or worse seek to undermine them. In fact, you can get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for just fifty five dollars a month. I promise you that is cheaper than what you are paying now for all those things. You vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting leftist wireless companies that don't support you. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You get great coverage and save while you're doing it. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You'll save an additional 50% percent five zero off your first month because they actually value you. puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk Wireless for Americans by Americans. Last night, I feel like I haven't left my desk. We were here. We were supposed to do a very simple what is a woman release for the 1 year anniversary of Matt's movie. It the movie was such a big success we were going to do a 1 year anniversary celebration and air it for everybody on Twitter, free for 24 hours. Not just for the members, but for everybody. To celebrate the movie, to celebrate Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, to celebrate that one of the big tech platforms is now going to endorse free speech. Okay, great. And then we're working with Twitter on all of this and then we're told by the Trust and Safety team, "No, sorry, actually we're going to not only not work with you on this event, we're going to suppress the movie if you put it up onto Twitter. He said, what? (laughs) What happened to free speech? What happened to the big conservatives having a voice now on Twitter? What about that? That was gone. Okay. So we were a little confused. We said, we're going to go ahead with our event. If Twitter wants to suppress it, okay. Elon's sending us mixed messages here. I don't really understand what's going on here, but okay, whatever. We air it, and it is suppressed. And then Elon starts responding. And then we get a report that the head of the trust and safety team over at Twitter resigns or is fired. But but we're still being suppressed, and we just we just don't know what on earth is going on. Elon starts responding to us personally. He responds to a tweet that I, I posted a tweet kind of throwing a little bit of subtle shade at Twitter. Elon liked that tweet. He was responding to Jordan Peterson. Jordan was here last night. He's responding to the Daily Wire. But it was still unclear what exactly is going on. Then this morning, this morning, Elon Musk tweets out the movie and he says, every parent should watch this movie. And when we, we said, well, hold on, what is this? Elon had a great response. Elon said, the controversy will drive views. And Jordan (laughs) responds to him and says, you are a complicated person, (laughs) which is very, very true. Because we didn't know at the moment. Is this Elon got outfoxed or Elon didn't know about this? Is this Elon did know about this and he's a hypocrite about free speech? Is this Elon playing 4D chess and generating some kind of controversy and having an excuse now to can part of his liberal apparatchik, trust and safety team. What is going on? It's still unclear to me, though the result has been wonderful. And so great on Elon, great on Twitter to get this message out, to say on Twitter right now, not only can you say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, but you can expose the gender ideology for what it is. Not only does this vindicate the purchase of Twitter. Don't forget, Ron DeSantis launched his presidential campaign on Twitter, in Twitter spaces, some days ago. Ron DeSantis' campaign is running against wokeness. And then all of a sudden, Twitter comes out and says, you're not allowed to say that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. The specific reason they told us that they were going to suppress our video was, was two specific instances of misgendering in the movie. That is, calling a girl a girl and a boy a boy. In one case, a father who referred to his daughter as she, and he's in jail for that in Canada. We're flummoxed. We don't know exactly what, what did it, but all's well that ends well. This was a great ending. And you've got to also remember what kind of a tough position Elon Musk is in. This is the point I've been making since the beginning. Elon Musk is not just fighting against some woke employees at Twitter. Elon Musk is fighting against an entire, not only national system, but international system of censorship. Elon Musk is fighting against GARM, that censorship wing that has now been incorporated into the World Economic Forum, an industry-wide multinational program to in- enforce transgenderism and radical environmentalism and all the rest of the, the leftist ideology. Elon Musk is fighting against the advertisers. Elon Musk is fighting against the market. Elon Musk is fighting against Major asset managers. He's fighting against a whole system here. Twitter today is worth one third of what it was worth when Elon Musk bought it. Elon Musk paid $44 billion for Twitter. It's worth one third of that today. Twitter was already, before he bought it, on a path of almost inevitable bankruptcy. So the guy is under a lot of pressure. And if he can finagle his way to keep Twitter as a free speech platform, or Forget about free speech. I don't even care all that much about totally free speech. What I care about is the ability to tell the truth. Which are Those are different things. It's good to have free speech, okay, but none of us actually supports total free speech. This is the point of my book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Everybody, hello, thank you, that was, that was actually pretty quick today. Every society has taboos and standards and norms. What we want at the very least, though, is the freedom to tell the truth, which was previously suppressed, now now available on Twitter. Speaking of top executives, and speaking of Ron DeSantis, by the way, who launched his campaign on Twitter, Ron DeSantis is not doing great right now. He's not doing great against Donald Trump. According to the latest poll numbers, DeSantis's announcement did not close the gap between him and Trump. Trump still has a 34-point lead in the race. Trump's lead is down a little bit from a 43-point lead, but that constriction of the poll numbers appears to have happened before Ron DeSantis' DeSantis' presidential announcement. So I think DeSantis is a great governor. I think he's got a, a very strong message. I think he's obviously an extremely intelligent, competent guy. He's one of the most conservative presidential candidates we've seen in my lifetime. I'm not disparaging him. I'm just describing a fact His announcement didn't work. It hasn't moved the needle. The delta between him and Trump is just still so massive. There's just some intangible, ineffable, je ne sais quoi about the the Trump campaign that the DeSantis campaign has not yet figured out how to crack, despite really targeted attacks, Trump handing the country over to Fauci, really targeted attacks on some of Trump's picks and decisions throughout his administration still hasn't quite done it. Trump just gave a response on the campaign trail that I think helps to get at why Trump seems untouchable why he's the Teflon Don Trump was asked about wokeness you know wokeness that's that word on the right we're all just beating the hell out of wokeness we hate wokeness and and that's persuading a lot of moderates and people in the middle wokeness has got to end. Here's Trump's answer on wokeness.
1: It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is.
0: As is often the case, while everybody is zigging, Donald Trump is zagging. The guy is contrarian, not just with the broader culture. He's contrarian even with the right, the conservative movement, the Republican Party. In part, we should expect this because the guy didn't spend his life in the conservative movement of the Republican Party. And so on this one, this is the easiest softball. Oh, yeah, wokeness bad. He says, I don't like that term. It's it's kind of a silly term. No one can really define it. And you know what? He's kind of right. He's kind of right. We, We use the term as a shorthand to refer to the extreme leftists. But a lot of people who regularly use that term can't really define it. You'll notice on my show, I tend, and in my writing and in my speeches, I tend to refer to the libs. I don't refer to the wokies, the wokesters, the leftists exclusively. Mostly I refer to the libs because there's a big debate on the right between is wokism a betrayal of liberalism or is wokism the logical conclusion of liberalism? And not just modern progressive liberalism. There's another big debate on the right, which is, is modern progressive leftism a betrayal of liberalism, an illiberal kind of liberalism? Or is modern progressive leftism the logical conclusion of liberalism? And the more libertarian types, the more classical liberal identifying types, they say the former. And the conservatives and the traditionalists and the old school right-wingers we say it's the latter. We say this wokeism stuff, this was always going to be the consequence of liberalism. I mean, just look at transgenderism. You have the the classical liberals who say transgenderism it's a betrayal not only of liberalism but but even of the gay rights movement. It's a betrayal of all. It's a betrayal of feminism. But the conservatives we say no, it's the logical conclusion of it because If men and women are pretty much the same, then you're going to get transgenderism. Feminism says men and women are basically the same, and so you get the gay rights movement. The gay rights movement then gives you the redefinition of marriage. Redefinition of marriage then gets you transgenderism, because all of it says that men and women are pretty much interchangeable. That's a consequence of liberalism, this flattening liberalism which says that we're not born into particular roles and duties, some of which are unchosen, many of which are unchosen, and we have an obligation to them regardless, into certain circumstances, into communities that we didn't choose, but we have an obligation to them anyway. That's that's what the conservatives believe. The liberals just focus on that hyper-individualism. You can do whatever you want. Just don't hurt anybody or scare the horses. Okay, well, that's what the liberals say, but that liberalism is going to inevitably lead you to wokeism. And what Trump is saying here is that term, I don't know, you just want to avoid it. You just want to avoid talking about how liberalism is bad, but I'm not going to. And so what does Trump say? He says, it's not just that the crazy trans stuff is bad. It's that free trade can be bad. It's not just that the crazy trans stuff is bad. It's that the free movement of peoples across borders can be very bad. It's not just that the trans stuff is really bad. It's that the upending of all of our traditions many of which can't be written down on a napkin in some rationalist treatise. The upending of our saluting the flag and having hot dogs on the 4th of July and just doing things the way we used to do them because of sheer tradition and prejudice. (laughs) Prejudice in the good sense of that word. We just kind of do it out of a prejudgment, out of a gut instinct. That that rationalism is bad too. Trump is expressing a deeply conservative impulse that is, frankly, much more in line With what conservatism has meant, going back to the French Revolution, going back to Edmund Burke, up through much of the American old right before it was taken over by the Libs. I think that is part of that je ne sais quoi. I think that is why a lot of other candidates, even very impressive candidates like Ron DeSantis, haven't quite caught up with him yet. Okay, what whatever you want to say about Trump, the guy. His campaign is still on fire. And when you want to set things on fire, you've got to check out Grill Blazer. Right now, go to grillblazer.com slash Are you tired of waiting ages for your grill to heat up? Well, now you can say goodbye to those tedious moments of impatiently watching the charcoal burn and say hello to instant barbecue perfection thanks to our new friends over at Grill Blazer. Grill Blazer's grill guns are designed to do everything from expertly searing your meats, to lighting charcoal grills, wood stoves, outdoor fireplaces, and just about anything you can think of that you would need a high power fire source to solve that problem. anything. Grill Blazers offers two types of grill guns. The Grill Gun Basic is a high-power propane torch designed to light charcoal and wood grills and smokers. Burns up to 3,600 degrees, 30-inch flame for anything you need a big bed torch to do. And the sous vide gun has a shorter barrel, perfect for professional culinary kitchen uses, from gently carbonizing brulee or other sugars and fruits to rapidly searing steaks outside on the grill. Use the Grill Gun May result in extreme grill envy from your neighbors and increased demands for barbecue parties. Get your grill gun from Grillblazers today. Let the grilling adventures begin. Grillblazer.com slash Knowles. Promo code Knowles for 15% off your order. Grillblazer.com slash Knowles. Promo code Knowles for 15% off. Yes or no, is not just a game. It's the internet's favorite interview show. Everybody's talking about it. They've done polls. It's also still a game, and you can pre order yours now. At dailywire.com shop, there is a rumor, perhaps a conspiracy theory, that the pre-order is ending soon. They are selling like a wildfire. So if you want to get it, you really ought to get it now. We've sold out every single time, thousands and thousands of copies. This one is selling out extremely fast. Uh, so make sure you get yours. Don't miss your chance to cause controversy and reveal the true positions of your friends and family when it comes to the most hotly debated and titillating topics of our time. Speaking of hotness, we did an episode... Who wrote this copy? Someone who's got a crush on Lauren Southern wrote this copy, though she's a very beautiful lady. Uh, We did an episode with my friend Lauren Southern. Here's a quick teaser. A gay duck. (laughs) And to be a gay duck in the United Arab Emirates. Lauren, please don't downplay that. There is more in the works for Yes or No coming soon, so seize the opportunity while you can. Go to dailywire.com slash shop today. My favorite comment yesterday from Slap My Base 3825 who says, if the corporations actually believed in the gay ideology, I dare them to advocate for it in their Middle East divisions or in China. It's a good observation because it's only the Western iterations of the brands that put on the rainbow in June. The ones in Saudi Arabia don't don't change their logos to be rainbows or in China or elsewhere. But I don't want this to make people complacent because the the argument or or the the point of that argument is that this pride stuff doesn't really change the culture. It's just a kind of a rainbow facade on the same old system that doesn't really change. But that isn't quite true. Yes, the corporations themselves are not going in and changing their, their logos during this month in those countries But the West broadly is. The United States, the State Department, the NGOs, all of these non-governmental, busybody organizations, imperial organizations from the West do go into these countries, and they will often tie aid dollars. They will often tie all sorts of support, military support even, to liberalizing policies, especially policies regarding sex, and gender and this radical sexual revolution ideology, so that does happen. It's just not the conservatives who are or the corporations, rather who are at the vanguard of that. It's often the State Department and the NGOs, but the corporations do follow. Make no mistake, the West is pushing the rainbow. In many ways, the rainbow has become the imperial flag of the West. Just as the Star-Spangled Banner is the national flag of the United States, so too the Pride flag, the Pride Progress flag, increasingly is the imperial flag of the liberal West. Now, speaking of the presidential candidates, we've got a new candidate in the race. Not officially yet, but we've had the official announcement of the impending official announcement. Which candidate is it? I'm not talking about Chris Christie. I'm not talking about the Chris That hasn't happened yet. I'm talking about Mike Pence. Mike Pence, according to reports, will announce his run at a rally-style event in Des Moines, Iowa, next Wednesday, according to sources familiar with Pence's plans. A lot of people don't think that Mike Pence has a chance in this race, looking at the poll numbers. A lot of people might say, "Oh, Mike Pence is a really nice guy, but but the numbers just aren't aren't there for him. What is Mike Pence's lane? Mike Pence does have a lane. It's, It's narrow. It probably is not going to be successful. But In a presidential race, anything can happen, especially when you consider that they might throw Trump in prison. (laughs) There there are at least three locales that are trying to put Trump in prison right now, probably more to come. Uh, Ron DeSantis is very well tested, very impressive at the state level, but he's not totally tested at the national stage. Anything could happen. Everyone thought Jeb Bush was going to be the nominee in 2016. Uh, Jeb obviously did not become the nominee. So DeSantis could jeb out. Who knows? And then we're in a whole new ballgame. What is Pence's lane? His lane is Iowa. He's got to hit Iowa really, really hard. He's got to win over the evangelical base. In some ways, this was the Cruz campaign strategy in, in 2016. Go hard after Iowa. Go hard after the evangelical base, which worked. Cruz did win Iowa. And Cruz was the number two guy in 2016. Pence could do that. And then Pence has something else that that helps him out here, which is that Pence is acceptable to the business wing of the GOP. Pence is acceptable to the Chamber of Commerce wing of of the GOP. Pence is not going to go hard after corporations. Pence is not going to advocate hard for protective tariffs or anything like that. So that's a real advantage. It's, It's an older model of running for president on the right, It was a model that was powerful in the 1990s and the early 2000s. It's kind of waned in recent years. But it was a model that worked for a long time. And right now, no other candidate in the race can really do that. Tim Scott, maybe to some degree. Uh, Nikki Haley, I'm not so sure. I think she's a little bit more ambiguous on that. I don't think Nikki Haley is going to play very well in Iowa. The Vake, obviously, is not going to be running on an evangelical Christian campaign. Chris, Chris Christie is not going to be running on an Iowa evangelical Christian campaign. So there, there is, a, it's not totally crazy. I wouldn't put my money on Pence becoming the nominee, to, to put it mildly, But but there is a lane. There is a kind of a logic to it. It just requires the GOP to kind of fling back like a like a rubber band stretched too far in one direction would have to fling back to a a tried and true strategy. Speaking of traditional views, the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers who invited this satanic drag troupe, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who mock not only Catholic nuns, but mock Christ and the crucifixion and are just not doing good stuff, uh, invited them to be honored for Pride Month at Dodger Stadium, and then there was backlash, so they disinvited them. Then there was backlash to the backlash, so they reinvited them. And now they're going to hold a Christian Faith and Family Day in July. I think they already were hosting that, but they're, they're promoting this now. Okay. Not good enough. Even Bishop Barron, who's a very nice, he's a Catholic bishop, very nice guy. Uh, he's not really a bomb thrower or anything. He points out, he says, this is just not enough, uh, you know, we cannot accept the LA Dodgers for doing this. We've got to keep the pressure up. We should boycott the LA Dodgers. We should protest the LA Dodgers. We should put the LA Dodgers on the Transheiser Bush, Target, Kohl's list. This is completely unacceptable stuff. And I know that there are going to be people, speaking of that old style Republican politics sort of thing, uh, who are going to be people who say, well, look, can't we just meet in the middle somewhere. Can't we just, we don't, we can't boycott every company. Can't we just, all right, they're going to have the, look, they're going to have the satanic parody of the mass, uh, devil worshiping drag queen's day. But they're also going to have a day where they acknowledge the existence of Christians. So look, isn't that kind of a win? No, no. You can't please everybody. That's always the case. But you especially can't please everybody during periods of intense division. So when we broadly agree on things, it's easier to please more people more of the time. When we can't agree on anything, when we can't agree on what a woman is, when we can't agree on anthropology, when we can't agree on epistemology, when we can't agree on what good and bad is, when we can't agree on what the role of the state in good and bad is, when we can't agree on language, the meaning of language, then you really can't please everybody all of the time. That Then you're, you're to be politically successful, you're probably only going to please a minority of people. When you live in revolutionary times, which the left has, has voiced upon us time and time again, but, but especially now, when you live in revolutionary times, then the way you're going to make political change is, is to appeal to a minority of people. At, at all times, it is, it is a minority of people who make revolutionary change. Think of the Bolsheviks, who, who dishonestly presented themselves as a majority. They were a distinct minority of people. Look at what's going on. You know, the, the baseball audience is broadly conservative. The people who run baseball are extraordinarily left-wing, and they're they're kowtowing to left-wingers. Well, look what happened. Anthony Bass, the Toronto Blue Jay. He comes out, he criticizes Pride Month, then there's backlash from his bosses, presumably. So he throws his integrity under the bus, he makes an apology for attacking Pride Month. And then he trots out there onto the field. Listen to how the Blue Jays fans greeted him. <laughs> You can hear one boo in particular. And then he trots out there, has a little conversation in shallow left field. Okay. It's It's sometimes a little hard to make out what the audience is saying here. But then it becomes a little clearer. As he's trotting from shallow left field out to the pitcher's mound, you hear the boos. Why was he booed? He was booed because now nobody supports him. The pro-Pride people obviously don't support him. He, he posted to his Instagram a very clear directed video about how he thinks Pride is evil. The conservatives don't like it. The normal people don't like him because he then threw his integrity under the bus Said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I offended. I never wanted to offend anybody. You know, I'm sorry. The pride community. I support them. Blah blah blah. Okay. So now he's got nobody. I'm reminded in Dante's Divine Comedy, right, right at the very beginning of Hell are the people who were lukewarm, and they're there. It's not the deepest part of Hell. It's not the hottest part of Hell. It's, it's in some ways though even more ignominious because it's, it's the The people who are obviously unacceptable to heaven, because they have no conviction, they have no integrity, they have no no faith, but they're also repulsive to the people in hell. Even hell won't accept these people. They're just to be spit out. They're just so lukewarm. Don't do that. There is nothing ever to be gained by apologizing to an unjust mob. There was one time I was on Fox News, and I... uh, I was, I was asked about environmentalism on the left, and I said it was unjust that the libs are exploiting a mentally ill Swedish child to promote their totally incoherent agenda. And the host of that program, Harris Faulkner, didn't, she didn't bat an eyelash. This is obviously a true statement. The Democrat who was on the panel, uh, uh, Chris Hahn, he made a big deal about this and yelled and screamed. But still, the the viewers weren't upset. It was obviously true. When it came to the case of this gal, Greta Thunberg, her mother actually wrote a book about how this girl had all these sorts of mental problems. And yet she was still being exploited as the face of the left so that we couldn't criticize their climate policies. So I just said this on air. And then some of the liberal executives at Fox made a big deal about this and yelled and screamed and, and all the rest of it. And there was a, a big push, there were some emissaries from Fox News who implored me to apologize to the company publicly. And they said, Oh, you'll be back, you'll be back on air in two seconds if you just apologize. And I said, Well, I don't think I did anything wrong. If I felt I did something wrong, I'd consider apologizing. But I don't think I did. I think that and that was one of the early cases where the conservative audience had a backlash against Fox News for something it did that they felt was liberal and dishonest. I said, I'm not going to do that. Maybe it would have gotten me on Fox News. Probably it wouldn't have, though. I mean, look at what just happened to Tucker Carlson. And I, I also went back on Fox News relatively quickly after that anyway. So it wasn't... The, the devil always does this to you. The devil always gives you these sort of temptations and says, hey, if you just throw away your integrity, hey, if you just throw away your beliefs, hey, if you just throw away your faith, I'll reward you seriously, pinky swear, promise. And then what happens? When you make that kind of a Faustian bargain, you get nothing. Anthony Bass learned that. The rest of the normal people should learn that too. Yesterday, it was a great battle for standards and speech normality on social media. Today, we're seeing the fruit of that fight. Not only are the restrictions removed, but Elon personally recommended What is a Woman to his 140 million followers, saying every parent should watch this movie. Why would we give away one of our most successful movies of all time? Because freedom of speech and the right to be heard on these issues really, really matters. So now we need your support. The fight is not free. We have more films to make, more battles to win. Join us now. An annual subscription to The Daily Wire is what enables us to make movies like What is a Woman? And we have a lot more in the works. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code woman for 25% off your Daily Wire membership. And now finally, finally, we arrive at my favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. Mailbag sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Save 50% percent zero off your first month. Take it away.
1: Hello, Mr. Knowles. It is everybody's former favorite resident bass player, Slap My Bass, and I'm coming to you with a question. Over the past couple weeks, I've gone through a series of very life-altering events with my cousin getting married and me just turning 30 years old. And I look back on my life, and I come to realize that I've not really accomplished anything in terms of socially and I would like to settle down and marry a woman now more than ever, but I've yet to have any dating experience with them at all. Looking around at the options that I have right now, and it almost seems like that 90% of the women that I interact with are either huge libs or men pretending to be women. (laughs) So my question is, is it really worth looking to date when I am extremely desperate Or at what point should I say, no, I should not settle and continue to look for the right person, especially since I have not yet dated anybody, and I'm thinking the only option I have is to settle.
0: Thanks. There's your problem right there at the end, slap. There is your problem. I was with you. I was trying to work out a complex solution to your problem until you got there to the end. You said, especially when I haven't dated yet. Go on a date. No, but but Michael, you don't understand in the abstract, at a distance, in theory, these women, they're probably not going to work out. Okay, how do you know that? You haven't gone on a date. Well, I don't know. I just sort of, ima- my view of them in my mind is they probably probably wouldn't be a good date. Okay, well, what's the worst that happens? You go out to a restaurant, you spend 40 bucks on drinks, and you figure out that the lady is a huge lib, and you don't like her, and you're not going to marry her. Or maybe you find out that she's a man and that would would be, hopefully you'd figure that out before you go on the date. Okay, all right, you're down a couple of drinks. Okay, you're down a few appetizers. Okay, and then you just go on a date tomorrow. You want to marry a woman. You're not going to marry a woman. You're going to marry a particular woman. We want to live a flourishing life. You're not going to live a flourishing life in the abstract. You're going to live a particular life that is going to be flourishing or not. In in its specificity, in its details, in its particularity. So you gotta just go out there and do it. You said 90% of the women I meet, they're they're not gonna be good wives, probably. Okay, what about the 10%? 10%'s a lot of people. Have you gone out with them? Andrew Clavin gave me good advice. I repeat it in lots of realms of life. God can't drive a parked car. You're not going to marry a woman by sitting around thinking about the kind of woman you might like to marry. You're going to marry a woman after you've been dating for some time. Or you're going to marry a woman after you're engaged for some time. You're going to get engaged after you propose. You're going to propose after you've dated for some time. And you're going to date for some time after you go on a date and ask a woman out. That's what you got to do first. And maybe you're going to waste a few nights having drinks with girls who are just awful. Okay, you'll get some funny stories out of it. And then, ultimately, you get a wife. Okay, next question.
1: Hey Michael, so a purely hypothetical scenario. Say someone is working for their dream company to work for, but their company has been making some public stances that go directly against their beliefs. For example, blue haired bleeding heart liberal is working for a company that has been outspoken about being pro Second Amendment and pro-life. Or on the other hand, a very conservative, very Christian person works for a company that has made very public stances that are pro-abortion and anti-religion. Where would you draw the line? How do you feel about that compromise? Do you feel like we should get out while the getting's good? Or do you think we should just stick it out and hope for the best? Thank you.
0: Doesn't sound like your dream company, does it? If if the company that you say it's your dream company, if they do things that are a nightmare, then it's not your dream company, is it? you might say, well, look, it's a dream company. They do great work, but they've fallen into some of the DEI stuff because of public pressure and whatever, ESG or whatever outside forces are forcing them to in some way participate. I don't know, maybe during COVID they made you wear a mask or something. And you say, okay, I'm going to stick it out because that's annoying, but the company is still doing great work. Okay, maybe there's an argument to be made there. But if the company is in its public stances supporting abortion or supporting transing the kids or whatever, any of this craziness. If, if the company in its public role is making the country worse, then it's not a dream company. Very often people, it's kind of like what Slap was just saying with his dream girl. They, they construct this this dream. This dream that's just in their minds, and then the reality doesn't correspond with that dream. Okay, you got to choose the reality. You've got to r- recognize that our imaginations are deceived. You know, the the real origin of Pride Month is from the real origin of the rainbow. And the rainbow is a sign that God gives to Noah after the flood, and it's a promise that He'll never again destroy the world in a flood. But what does He say right before He gives Noah this sign? He says that God smelled a sweet savor, and this was from. Noah, one of the first things he does, he gets out of the ark. What's he do? He sacrifices an animal and burns it up to God as a sacrifice. And God smells the sweet savor. And he says, he, he decides that he would never again destroy the world in a flood because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. <laughs> Our imagination can very often deceive us. So yeah, the company is not what you thought it was. Okay. If it's really egregious, if it crosses your threshold. I guess it's time to look for a new company. Or maybe there isn't a company that that is any better, and so you got to work to improve the company from within. That's reality. Next question. Hi, Michael. My name is Matthias. I have a technology question for you. Uh, Recently, the FDA approved Elon Musk's Neuralink technology to begin conducting studies using brain implants in humans. Uh, According to the company, this technology could potentially cure incurable diseases such as
1: paralysis, blindness, even help people walk again after a stroke or neurological damage. What are your thoughts on this new technology, and should we use it? Thanks. Love the show.
0: I'm technology skeptical, as you know. I'm not, I'm not into technology. I don't buy the latest screens and doodads. I don't really care about any of that. But I'm not totally opposed to technology. Technology will develop and... That's fine. We use technology all the time. I'm not even opposed to plugging something into your head. I think cochlear implants are a great advance in technology that help deaf people with certain kinds of deafness be able to hear again. Rush Limbaugh had a cochlear implant. Okay, that's great. I'm a little skeptical of being plugged into the matrix. I think that would be a bad thing. I'm a little skeptical of devices that could compromise your free will, uh, which... Some versions of putting a chip into your brain could do. Some versions of translating thoughts, sort of pre-verbal thoughts into actions could do. So I'm, I'm skeptical of that. Um, but I'm not, not opposed to the technology in principle. A- as always, in these kinds of cases, the devil is in the details. So I would, if, if this were a way to correct a problem, to treat an illness... I would be cautiously hopeful about the technology. If this were a way to improve upon humanity, to create a new kind of human that's bigger, better, faster, stronger in every way, that's not fixing a deficiency, but making something new and supposedly better, I would oppose that because we we must oppose uh, science and technology uh, establishing dominion over the origin and destiny of human life. I know that's not a a sexy answer. That's not a totally satisfying answer. Like, I'm pro Neuralink or anti-Neuralink. I'm also very pro Elon right now that he's supporting the right side in speech and in (laughs) the gender ideology. Um, but that's the nuanced answer. We, someone's going to do this sort of stuff. We are going to explore these things. Curiosity is not a virtue, but it is a fact of human life. And so we've got to make sure that we're doing it in the right way with the right safeguards. And if it, is not able to separate the bad things from the good things, then we got to stop it. Next question.
1: Hey, Michael. My question today is about the Holy Spirit. I know the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, and I was just wondering if you've ever felt comforted or convicted, and you felt like it was coming from the Holy Spirit. I hear people talking about um, communication with God or God's calling for their life, and I just wonder if you've experience that in a, in a way where you feel like God is talking directly to you. Um, thanks again for the show.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. Absolutely. And sometimes this is even physical and tangible. You know, one can have a feeling of this sort of thing. And uh, often, though, it's semiotic. The Christian view of, of the world is a deeply symbolic view. It's especially true for the Catholic view of the world. There are no mere coincidences for the Christian. You know, it's an evil generation that seeks for signs and wonders, but it's, as my priest in New York pointed out, a stupid generation that ignores signs and wonders. And so uh, even you, know, you see in the, the story of Jesus visiting Mary and Martha, Martha is a representative of the active life. She's going around making the lunch. Mary is an example of the contemplative life. She's sitting at the feet of her Lord listening to Christ. And Martha complains about this, and Jesus says, uh, Martha, you don't understand. Your sister has the better part. You know, the active life is important. The contemplative life is important. The contemplative life is better. We're called not primarily to act. We're called to act, but we're not called primarily to act. We're called primarily to interpret. And so we see these signs everywhere. What do we do with that? I'm I'm not the sort of person who you know is trying to read the tea leaves and discern exactly what I'm supposed to do from this little sign or that little sign. It's more important what, what the Holy Spirit does primarily, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, to show us his presence. So what, when someone sees a sign you know, or a wonder, they say, what am I to make of this sign? You say, oh, you know, he's there. It makes sense. There's providence. You're in the right place. That's it. That's what I tell The, the world is intelligible. There's a divine logic to the universe. Okay, using my paltry heaping of logic. I'm going to try to figure out the fake headlines for Fake Headline Friday. The rest of the show continues now. Do not miss it. Use code Knowles at checkout at dailywire.com for two months free on all annual plans.